Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. Yesterday, protesters stormed government buildings in Brazil. The rioters were protesting the nation's recent elections, drawing a parallel, of course, uh, to uh, what happened just two years ago, January the 6th. Brazil now faces some of the same questions and self-reflection that our nation had to face in the wake of January the 6th. Uh, I want to be careful that I don't want to oversimplify all of the uh, comparisons here because there are some distinct differences as well. And to help us really sort through all of that, really pleased to have back on the program with us Valentina Sader, who is the Associate Director of the Atlantic Council's Latin America Center. And uh, Valentina, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to be back. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. So let's dive into this. So for our listeners that haven't been following this as closely, tell us exactly what happened and why uh, on January the 8th. Yeah, so this was something that we were, there were there were fear, there was fear in Brazil that we were going to see uh, January 6th-like events uh, in Brazil, especially in the electoral season and the pre-election season too. So we had elections in October 2022, and the months prior to that, we saw questioning from the former president, President Bolsonaro, um, and his allies in, in terms of the legitimacy of the electoral process in Brazil, the Congress confidence that you could have in the electoral system. And uh, we saw that Brazil, when elected President Lula uh, in October, at the end of October, uh, we were watching very closely from from afar as well as those in Brazil, uh, watching very closely the moment in which we could have uh, these kinds of protesting uh, in, in the country. So we were watching at a few a few key dates, including January 1st, which was Inauguration Day in Brazil. Nothing like this happened, and, and we, were, we were maybe a little bit too confident that we had overcame uh, or overcome the, the main challenge there. But then January 8th came, and we saw that Brazil uh, post-election was extremely divided. The country saw uh, the electoral results being a differentiating, uh, differentiating two million votes, about two million votes between President Lula and former President Bolsonaro. So we really saw this split in society. And I think that what we saw yesterday uh, is unexcusable for for protesting uh, your discontent in terms of who won the election. But that's kind of what we saw. Uh, people, 
you know, half of the population in Brazil uh, is not satisfied that President Lula uh, won, and President Lula is the president of Brazil. Uh, and we saw them taking extreme rights, really taking over and being, you know, really, really, really invading not only Congress in, in Brasilia, the capital city, but also what would be considered the White House, the presidential palace, as well as the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. So the extent of the devastation is really incredible. Yeah, and really going after all three branches of, of government there that I think is is so significant in, in Brasilia, uh, in that city, uh, so devastating to see uh, that kind of destruction inside the legislative, judicial, and executive buildings uh, is is such a uh, is such a stressor on it, and and so now the test uh, really for for President Lula, uh, which is hard. He obviously has a very divided country. It was a very close election. Uh, he has his own past that, that causes some people to question, uh, but he now has an opportunity to lead. And uh, so, what does that look like? And what do you expect to see? Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. So in a way, they, you know, democracy was definitely threatened in Brazil with these protests, these anti-democratic protests. Uh, but I think that it, it was proven yesterday that Brazilian democratic institutions are strong and are resilient. That doesn't mean that they can't be strengthened. And I think that this is something that needs to be emphasized. But I feel like there is an opportunity here, as you mentioned, uh, of President Lula really taking taking on and really leading this pro-democracy front. Uh, In a way, we have in Brazil a Congress that is, in a way, right-leaning, but that that was able to come out and publicly support President Lula as a democratically elected government, as well as come out saying, uh, condemning these actions and these anti-democratic acts. We were able to see yesterday and this morning with a, with a joint statement by the heads of the three branches of government in Brazil uh, condemning these acts. And I think that this is an opportunity for President Lula to really take on um, this pro-democracy front and make sure that we are seeing uh, the strengthening of Brazilian institutions, Brazilian democratic institutions, and to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Uh, and one of the things that you uh, that you mentioned was about this whole idea of intelligence, that there were clearly intelligence failures there in terms of what led up uh, to January the 8th in Brazil. What are they looking at there? What does that look like moving forward? 
Yeah, so this was something that uh, there's questioning over what happened and why the police wasn't as prepared as they could have been for something that we knew was happening. We knew that there were there was movement on the on these Bolsonaro supporters to go down to to Brasilia to protest, and we there's a lot of speculation on the reasons why the police wasn't ready to intervene and to avoid uh, the amount the. the level of destruction that we saw. Um, so I think that this is something that uh, the, the Minister of Justice has already came out speaking about. There was interf- uh, the, the judiciary uh, has already taken action on this front too, um, through social media, for example, through social media platforms, making sure that we that there were no kinds of uh, additional incentives for this kind of behavior and this kind of violence. Um, as well as the Congress actually putting forward this request for a congressional investigation to identify and then punish, identify, investigate, and then punish uh, those that were involved in these in these acts. Not only those that were present, but also those that might have financi- uh, financed these behaviors um, and those that might have been lenient towards this kind of behavior. Yeah, and then very quickly, uh, obviously, uh, President Bolsonaro is currently in the United States. Of course, he's denying any involvement in the attack. Uh, what what actions are those in Brazil looking to the U.S. to take? What does the Lula government want to see uh, in terms of uh, President Bolsonaro? So that's the question that everyone is really wondering and following. Uh, not only President Bolsonaro is in the U.S. is in Florida, but also the the Secretary of Security of the Federal District where Brasilia is located is also in Florida. Uh, so this is something that uh, everyone is wondering and speculating. I think that there is uh, this possibility of, uh, you know, they will have to come back and we'll see what happens with President Bolsonaro if the Lula administration ends up requesting uh, the U.S government to uh, extradict or bring back Bolsonaro to Brazil, and then we'll see uh, what happens and what kind of consequences they will both face, as well as other others that were involved, uh, potentially involved in these acts. Again, President Bolsonaro has been in the U.S. Uh, since before since before Inauguration Day in Brazil. I think he left two days before Inauguration Day in Brazil. Um, so we'll see uh, how, how this is playing out. Also, understanding uh, if any kind of if any kind of action was taken from U.S. soil will also be uh, mm. something to, to look into. Uh, very important stuff. Great insight, as always. And uh, I think the assessment is right that uh, in Brazil, democracy prevailed, uh, maybe cracked, maybe broken, but really just unfinished. Uh, and I think that's the important thing for everyone to focus on. Valentina Sader, uh, Associate Director at the Atlantic Council's Latin America Center. Valentina, always appreciate your perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Very important conversation there in terms of Brazil. Here we've seen uh, more attacks. This was interesting in that it was in Brasilia, uh, which is where all the government is really located, and their attacks were on all three branches of government. Uh, And this is a trend that we have to watch and condemn and make sure we have the safeguards in place to protect. We'll step aside for one last commercial break. More Inside Sources coming up next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. 
But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.